0: Good morning, Imagination's Church. Hope you're having a great weekend. I'm not sure if you were able to get out and do anything yesterday, Fourth of July. I love this country. I love America, and uh, even with all of its t- faults and the struggles and the things we're going through, it's the best place in the world to be. It's the best place to live. And so, uh, this morning I'm going to cons- continue our series on valleys and. Uh, I'm going to talk to you today, we're going to look at what I'm calling the valley of distraction and we're going to read out of the book of Nehemiah a few verses. Uh, We're going to really start in the very beginning, uh, just uh, one verse in the 11th 11th verse of the first chapter, but let me get there in just a second. Let's talk about Nehemiah real quick. Nehemiah is the guy that wrote this book and uh, Nehemiah was not a builder by trade he wasn't a construction worker, somebody that had all the skills. He never went to school, or uh, not to my knowledge. Actually, a- according to verse 11, this is what the, the end of verse 11 says. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. And so, in a way, uh, Nehemiah had a bit of a cushy job. Now, let's stop and think about what a cupbearer does. Uh, I, I looked up the function of a cupbearer was to taste either the quality of food or to see if there was poison or to see if it was whatever, what was going on with the food. And so, in a sense, he it was a bit dangerous, but at the same time, uh, he just was like quality control in in, in many respects. And so, it, But it also uh, really kind of shows us a little bit about who Nehemiah was Uh uh, Nehemiah was a cupbearer for for royalty, but that wasn't where it stopped. He was a personal servant, but he was also a trusted confidant and an advisor. And you can see that as you read through chapter one, and uh, you know how he responded. Now Nehemiah was serving in the house of the king, and uh, some some people came, some men came from Jerusalem. Now, as far as I know, Nehemiah never had been to Jerusalem. Now, I might be wrong on that, but I don't think so. And the word came because they had been in bondage for over, seven, for over 70 years, and that 70-year bondage time, I believe, was over, and a lot of people had gone back, and they had tried to do some work in Jerusalem rebuilding, but there was so much uh, opposition and conflict that nothing had gotten done. So these guys come, and they begin to tell him what Jerusalem looks like, and they said the walls are down, the gates are burned, and it's in a mess. The people are in a mess. The people are at risk, and the scriptures say that Nehemiah was heavy. It uh, says that he, he, he sat down, and he began to weep, and he began to ponder over the next few days what he could do, and when he came before the king uh, to do his job, the king noticed that his, his face was was sad and he asked him what's going on and so he tells him with a bit of fear and trembling what's going on and because of his relationship with the king the king told him what do you want to do what do you need to do and so he gave him papers to travel he gave him papers to get whatever type of lumber because nehemiah had it in his heart to go back to jerusalem or go to jerusalem to check it out and to begin to rebuild the wall because that was in his heart that was in the heart of every young Jewish person was to see Jerusalem rise again after they had been in bondage for so many years. Now, Jerusalem, uh, the walls of the city had been down for, uh, they say, about 140 years. And so there had been a lot of people that had gone there, but Nehemiah goes. He, he leaves this job and he goes down and he begins to, to look at what is going on. And the scriptures say that he would go out at night Or he would go out when nobody else knew where he was or what he was doing. He would take a few people with him and he would survey and spy out what was going on because he had it in his heart to rebuild those walls. And so Nehemiah chapter uh, uh, 6, we'll pick it up here in chapter 6, but the, the, the rebuilding of the wall, and we'll get to these verses here in just a second, but the rebuilding of the wall only took 52 days. A city that lay in ruin for... Over 140, give or take, years, the walls were rebuilt on that city, in that city, in 52 days, and there was great opposition there. Great opposition. And let me just ask this question and answer it. How did he do that job, that massive job of orchestrating and bringing uh, people together and putting a vision inside of them and administrating the rebuilding of that wall? Well, he cast vision. And he told them it could be done. He began to talk to them about what it would be like. He began to speak to what was inside of them already. That's what God wants to do to you today. He wants to speak to what's inside of you. That thing that might appear to be dead or might appear to be no longer an option for your life. I want to tell you today that God has a plan that he hasn't given up on. God has a promise and you might feel as though you've been abandoned. But God's not abandoned you. And so in 52 days, how did he do that job, rebuilding the wall in 52 days? Here's how he did it. He kept his eye on the prize. He didn't remove his eye from, from the, 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 the goal. He stayed with it. There was a lot of opposition, a lot of things. Let me say this. If the enemy, if the devil can, keep, can, can distract you, he can stop you from accomplishing anything. If he can get you distracted by things that aren't necessarily even wrong, but they're not what you ought to be about. He can distract us. If he can, then he can stop us from accomplishing and doing the thing that God has called us to do. So the first five chapters describe the opposition that the children of Israel were going through as these three guys, uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, and a guy named Geshem. And they would come, and they would mock, and they would criticize, and they would bring threats against the people. I know what you're doing. You're trying to create a rebellion. Oh, if a fox got on that wall, it would fall down. Their goal was to divide and to conquer, to discourage the people, to create discord among the people, But it didn't work because Nehemiah kept his eye on the prize and kept directing everyone. And so now we get to chapter 6, and the threats and the opposition become very personal towards Nehemiah. Uh, Strong opposition directed to him. Why? Because he's the leader. He's the one that keeps casting vision. He's the one that is directing what's going on. It's in his heart. Let me say right here, before I move forward and start giving you a few thoughts, you as a dad... You, as a parent, you, as a a person in the community, what you think and what you say counts. It makes a difference. It makes a difference, dads. It makes a difference what you say. It makes a difference to your children, even if they're grown. It makes a difference to your spouse, even if you think it doesn't. Moms, it makes a difference what you say. It makes a difference to your children. It makes a difference to your husband. And so the enemy would like to criticize and shut us down and to say no matter what you say, it doesn't matter, but it does. We've got to keep our eye on the prize, keep our eye on the goal that God has called us to be people that honor God and that we continue on and God goes with us to make everything uh, come to pass that God has promised because he works with us. Okay, so the first thought here, let me me say this, that uh, we can't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. But we got to stay focused. Don't get sidetracked. Let me read these first two verses here out of Nehemiah chapter 6. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. So we had not yet, though we had not set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent to me a message asking Uh, if I would meet them in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. And I know there's a big play on that. Oh, no, I'm not going to go to the plain of Ono. But he goes on, he says, but I realized that they were plotting to harm me. Now, the thing is, is that if the enemy can get you to stop the work that you know in your heart is important, if he can get you distracted, if he can cause you to, to say, hey, look, you've been working hard, man. Just kind of relax. Take a break. If he can get you to stop, if he can distract you, then you know what? The work ends. And here's the thing. Even in 52 days, which was an amazing feat, the gates not being up, I'm not going to say it's not any good, but it's really not any good from the standpoint that the enemy can come in any gate. I think there were like nine, or uh, there were nine gates, I believe, uh, at this time. And so the enemy could just come and go as they pleased. But... Because these guys, the enemies of the, of the Israelites, of, of these uh, men, of, of Nehemiah and these uh, Jews living in Jerusalem, they saw how fast they had rebuilt the wall. They knew we've got to stop them because they will put up the gates. And once the gates go up, then they're secure and they're safe inside. Let me say this. Let me take a little side note here. The gates of your life. What are the gates of our life? Well, let me just say this. Uh, guard your heart. Guard your heart, because our heart is, is one way that things come in that cause us to become distracted, to cause us to become discouraged. Another way is the things that we say. We get frustrated, and instead of taking our words and saying, I'm not going to say that, even though it feels true, even though it feels right, even though it feels like I should say this, I'm not going to say something that's going to create turmoil and distract me from what it is that I'm supposed to be doing and let me say something, one last thing on this, maybe the things that we post on social media. You know, I read this, this statement that uh, basically what gossip is, and that gossip is, um, it's something that we have to post, we have to post it, information, before we find out that it's not true. It's like we see things, we hear things, and so we've got to guard what we say, what we write, what we allow to come in to our mind. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, the apostle Paul writes, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds and to demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We've got to watch what we allow to come into our heart. You know, and I I heard somebody say uh, one time that we are the air traffic controller of our life. Thoughts come and we can say, nope, not going to come in. I'm not going to allow that to to take up residence in my thought life, in my heart. I'm not going to repeat that. You hear things, maybe a medical report, and you're thinking, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say what the word says. I'm not going to allow those thoughts and those words to find a lodging place in my life. Why? Because they will begin to distract me from the thing that I know I'm supposed to be about, and I'm not going to allow those things in. And so, you know, the devil wants to have some conversations with you. He's going to tell you, you've been working so hard, you need to take it easy. He's going to tell you that you've been, you've been uh, doing so many things, it's time to kick back and relax. It's okay. It's all right. And you know what? When God tells us to rest, it's okay. But the thing is, is when the enemy comes and tells us, man, that's a pretty big job you've been doing. He's got something in his Plan, and that is to bring distraction to get you off of your game, so that he can uh, stop the work that you're doing, that you're about. So this is the, the the enemy's strategy. He says, "Come on down to the plain of Ono and let's talk about it. Let's discuss it." So here's my advice: Don't have any conversations with the enemy of your soul, with the enemy that God tells us not to have a conversation with. We need to stay the course. And so Nehemiah tells him, I'm not coming down. I'm busy. I'm doing a good work. I'm not coming down. Uh, James chapter 4 verse 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You want to know why the enemy continues to come? Because maybe we give him a little attention. Maybe we begin to argue with him. Maybe we begin to try to reason it out. Maybe we try to justify things instead of saying, I'm not coming down. I'm not having a conversation. I'm not doing that. And so the first thing is, is don't get sidetracked. Stay focused. Stay focused. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, the next two verses. So he says, so I sent a message to them saying, I'm doing a good work, a great work, he says. So I can't come down. Why should I cease the work while I leave it and go down to talk to you? but they sent me a mess, that message, or a message four times, and I answered them in the same way. I'm not coming. I'm not coming. The enemy is very, very persistent. The next thing, the next thought is that Satan hits us the hardest in the beginning and at the end. Now, we can see that in this story with Nehemiah. He just begins the work, and you you might think, well, you know, how do you know? Because it only took him 52 days and they saw him when the work began and they weren't too worried until they saw the wall finished. And then during that whole time, they were criticizing him and telling him there was great opposition when they started rebuilding the wall. And now there's great opposition as they're seeing the wall being finished and the gates are getting ready to be hung. Listen, I came to Christ when I was 17 years old. And in that first year, I almost didn't make it in, in some respects. I almost walked away. I almost gave up my faith because there were so many things coming against me. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who to listen to. I didn't know what to believe, but God sent some amazing people and helped me. They put, around, put them around me, and they began to pray with me, pray for me. They helped me to understand. They prayed uh, that God would, would secure, make me secure, And I began to listen to them and not listen to the voices that were telling me, there's nothing wrong with the old way. There's nothing wrong with what you were doing before. And here's the thing, maybe there wasn't anything wrong in itself, but it would distract me from what it was that God had. And so just be aware that that at the beginning, if you're starting a new project, a new ministry, if you're in a new place in your life, the enemy does not want you to succeed. He's going to oppose everything you do. And then maybe you've been in the middle of something and you're seeing fruit. Maybe you're raising your children and you're seeing fruit uh, come about. Let me tell you what, the enemy's going to come in and he's going to attack. Why? Because he hates success that God wants to give to you. And so, you know, I, I would just say that, you know, now I'm I'm uh, 64 years old. I've been walking with Jesus for 47 years. And so here's the deal. I don't, I don't want to stand up here like an old soul that I just know. I do know this, I know that the enemy hates every work, everything that we attempt, everything that we take on and say, God, I'll do it, he hates it, and he comes against us, and so he's going to attack, he's going to try to discourage, he's going to try to cut our legs off from under us in any way he can. And so just be aware that the enemy comes at the beginning, and really at the end, those are the two places, because maybe he doesn't realize, or maybe we don't realize that he, if he can't stop us at the beginning, he's looking and watching our lives all the way along. A life lesson that I learned from my pastor, Pastor Tom Messer. Keep a good, clean heart, he would tell me. Keep a good, clean heart before God. If you can keep a good, clean heart, God can continue to use you. And you can move forward. Keep short accounts. Don't hold people in unforgiveness. Don't allow things to build up. Give forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and so uh, it, so. Let's go back to this story. I can only imagine that in fifty-two days of rebuilding this wall, it probably felt like an eternity to Sam to to uh, to Nehemiah. Sandbell, it probably felt like a click of the finger. But here's Nehemiah, and he's probably thinking, "Man, I know that was fast, but that felt like an eternity," and so. Basically, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, they realized that Nehemiah and the people were were having success in just 52 days to build the wall back, so they knew they had to sow. This was their plan. We've got to sow discord. We've got to sow discouragement. We've got to cause something to come in to distract them so that they don't get the walls built. So they come on down, they tell him. And Nehemiah tells them, I'm not doing it. Four times, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. That was his answer. The last thought this morning is that, and let me just give you the thought and then I'll explain it. If you take care of your character, your personal integrity, if you take care of your character, then God will take care of your reputation. You know, let me read the verse here. This is Nehemiah 6, verse 5, 6, and 7. It says the fifth time, the fifth time Five times they've come. The fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand. And this is what it said. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations. And Geshem tells me that it's true that you Jews are planning to rebel. And that's why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. So you can be sure that this report will get back to the king. I suggest that you come and you talk it over with me. Isn't that just the way it is? Now, here's let me, let me point out something. This is the fifth time he comes, that, that the enemy comes. And it comes with an open letter. What does that mean? It means... We don't know who wrote it. We don't know who authored the letter. We don't know anything about it. But the thing is, is it says this, and so he's thinking: if we tell him that this is the rumors that are going on, you know what? They're going to become fearful, and they're going to probably say, "No, no, no! I don't want to create a problem." And Nehemiah had nothing to do with it. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true. You ever had somebody do that? Well, I heard this, so-and-so tells me it's true. Johnny Bob tells me it's true. Somebody says it's true, so if you read it on, on the internet, it must be true. If somebody, or oh, a friend of mine that knows a guy that mows my lawn said it's true, here's the thing, we worry sometimes so much about our, our image, our our reputation that we run around trying to look good in people's eyes, and I don't want to look bad in their eyes, but some people don't care. Some people just don't want, when I say people, I mean the enemies of, of the plan and the purpose of God, and the enemy does use people. They don't want you to to succeed. They don't want you to accomplish what it is. And so they want to distract you from the plan and the purpose that God has called you to. The thing that you've already had great success, you're moving forward, and they just want to stop the work. And so now they're going to start saying, well, you know, there's rumors. And I heard this. And you can be sure that this is going to be reported to the authorities, to the king. And so basically uh let me i found that 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 quote that basically about gossip it says that gossip is news that you have to hurry and tell somebody before you find out it isn't true i want you to know the enemy doesn't care the enemy doesn't care if what he says about you they don't care if what's written about you the things that are told the stories that are told about you they don't care if they're true or not if they can get you to stop if they can distract you so today I just want to encourage you to to let's let's stay aligned with God and his word. If we can stay aligned with God and his word, let me say this. God will continue to work with you. He will continue to see that you have success. I have a heard read this story about John Wooden. John Wooden was a 20 27 year old 27 year coach of UCLA basketball team. And they had won 10 UCLA uh, NCAA National Championships in 12 years, seven in a row. That's an accomplishment. I don't think that's been uh, matched. They won 88 consecutive games over a three-year span. And John Wooden, this is this thing, John Wooden was more concerned about the character of his players than he was about their talent. He cared more about them, how they lived, and that they did things right in their personal life and on the court. Then he cared about their talent. He knew talent could be developed, but character is forged. And there's things that would cause try and cause us to live with less character so that our image would look better in the eyes of people around me. And this is what he said. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation. That's what John, John Wooden said. I would say that that's what God is saying. He wants you to be more concerned with your character. Character means what you are when when nobody's looking. Character is, is what you really are. Image is what people think you are. And so here's the thing. I want people to think well of me. We want people to think well of us. But the thing is, is God knows who we are. He knows who we are. This morning, there's so many parallels in this story There's so many things that we can can read in this story that parallel our lives. God is rebuilding some of y'all's life. He's building some of your marriages. He's rebuilding some relationships with you and your children, with you and your neighbors. He's rebuilding things in your life. He's rebuilding your fortitude, your determination. He's rebuilding you. That's what he's doing inside of you but the enemy's going to come and try to distract you and tell you, you're not that bad. Oh, it's not that bad. Everybody has problems. Let me just say, let me go back over these quickly. Don't get sidetracked. Stay the course. Stay focused. Satan's going to hit you every time he can. He's going to hit you really hard when you begin to try to turn and to make a decision to move forward. Or if you've been in the process a long time and you're getting tired, he'll start hitting you When you feel like you're getting near the end, he wants to pry your fingers off of the things that God is doing in your life. He wants you to let go of your faith and let go of your trust and your hope that God won't finish what he begins, but I tell you, he will. And then, of course, take care of your character. And don't worry about your reputation. God will take care of your reputation. This morning, I want to pray for you. I believe that God has an amazing work that he's begun and that he will finish in your life. You are what God is building. Your family, your life, your marriage, your future. He's helping to build and to shape and to mold you for an amazing future. Let me take a minute and pray for you this morning.